Welcome back to American Graffiti, one song at a time, where we analyze the movie American Graffiti, one song at a time. Get it? That's how we chose the title. It's a whole thing. I'm your DJ, Tierney, and I have not one, but two guests with me today. Not one, but two Chris's with me today. Please welcome Chris Callahan and Chris Gore. Hey. Hey, nice to see you guys. Or hear you guys, I guess. Yes. Ah, podcasting and audio medium. So I'm just going to call you Gore because that's what I do. Because, sorry, Chris, that is the one that I call Gore. And also that's super fun when my kid is like, oh, yeah, Gore. And I'm like, we're going to have to work on that before you go to school. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) welcome, welcome. I have you guys here today to talk about American Graffiti, but because you guys are veteran radio men yourself, you guys are DJs. Yeah. To a degree. We knew what we were doing. You you were DJs. There there was a radio show. I listened to it. That's true. There are recordings (laughs) that still exist out there. We got them somewhere. Um, Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we did a show together for a little while. Um, so we started this program at Providence College. Mm-hmm. It was a Notes from the Underground, which initially began with me and two of our friends who were seniors, uh, Kristen and Aislinn. That was back in early 2004. Oh, and boy. the three of us did the show until, uh, let's see, it was for about a semester. Yeah, semester and a year. And you were our most devoted listener, I'd say. So (laughs) as most things go, and then after they graduated, since you listened to us the most, we brought you on the show to be a co-host. That was your first mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I was clearly the sidekick. Hey, it all worked well. You were both the player of and the requester of all that Genesis music. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, It was interesting, yeah, because when we did the show back then, there was no, it was not on the internet at all. So it was just over the regular radio waves. Mm -hmm. I still remember someone talking about, like, talking about the show. And they said, well, sometimes the connection isn't that great. And I was like, okay, are you trying to listen somewhere else in the city? And they said, no, in lower campus. So we're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So... (laughs) Wasn't the strongest, yeah. but nowadays they're all on the internet. They can do all this stuff. It's like twenty four seven. But you, you weren't broadcasting mm-hmm. from Mexico across yes. oh, all America. Yes. <laughs> no <Nope>. Mexican radio. <laughs> Although no. once it went onto the internet, we had a listener in Alaska. I know Sarah oh, tuned yes. in at least once from Juno. Oh, nice. So yes, yeah. We, later on in the year, yeah, we, we did been, technically. <laughs> yes, years later, we restarted at Simmons College, and that was all mm-hmm. internet and. All that stuff there. So, but yeah, we did some early, just regular broadcast stuff. Yeah, yeah. a lot of fun. So, I have you on to talk about a movie set in 1962 where there was absolutely no internet radio. Um, <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> no. Before we get into exactly what happens while the song Only You by the Platters is playing, oh, worked it in already. Uh, mm. I, I wanted to ask, uh, I'll ask both of you, but I'll ask you first, Gore, since I don't already know the answer because I'm not the one who made you watch it. Uh, had you seen American Graffiti before? Not all the way through. I've, I saw like little bits and pieces here and there, which is typically how I see most movies until I actually sit down. So about a couple days ago, I finally sat and watched it all the way through. And then I watched it again today to make sure I kind of knew what was going on. <laughs> Especially since we have you on for like the 
Almost next to last scene, next to last scene. That's close to the end there, yeah. More or less. <laughs> yeah, it would have been kind of awkward if you didn't know how we got to this point. Yeah. What'd you think? <laughs> it was good. I, it's it's very interesting to look at, you know, what you would call one of the early, like, coming-of-age movies and just how much, like, how much all the other movies that came after. Like, I kept watching it, and I was like, this is just, like, Days to Confuse. <laughs> yeah. Which came, like... 30 years later. <laughs> Which Linklater admitted was like his American graffiti. <laughs> exactly. There was like, there's so much that was taken from it. This one had, you know, American graffiti has slightly less Ben Affleck in it, which is a positive, I think. A net positive. Less Dunkin' Donuts, but also less Ben Affleck. So it balances out. There we go. I did not work Dunkin' Donuts into my coming-of-age novel. I mentioned a couple times throughout this show that I wrote a book, basically. So I was reading so much about American Graffiti, and also there was the global Mm -hmm. pandemic, and I couldn't leave my house for over a year. Um, You know what I mean. You know what I mean. That was a slight (laughs) exaggeration, but not as much as one as we would wish. Not really. (laughs) So I wrote a novel based on me and my friends right around the turn of the millennium. And uh, and what we were like, and I said it on like the last night before everyone scatters to go to college. And I came up with like, I, you know, took the characters of this movie and started from there. So I basically, I oh, wow. did, it, it started off very much a ripoff of George Lucas. And then by the time I was done editing it and developing plot and stuff, it's like, okay, no, it is just, it is one of those <laughs> one crazy night teen coming of age stories. That's, that's yeah. legit. That's a, that's a genre. That's not ripping off a particular person. No, it, it absolutely is. It's so crazy to think of like, cause I kept thinking this when I was watching it. It's like, what what a coming of age film was like back then versus you know like coming of age like I think of like you know, super bad that came out you know what ten years ago or something like that mm. like that's a that's a coming of age film but it's it significantly more. different in tone <laughs> yes yeah it's definitely a different tone it's trying to do different things yeah we're, we're gonna talk a little bit about it just has this gravitas that mm-hmm. I feel like. I didn't. I, I mean, when I set my book, I I literally was just like, it's got to be before 9-11. You know, it's in the tri-state area. Yeah. That was kind of our Kennedy assassination. And yeah. so I was setting that, but like the characters themselves are not not where these people are. But we'll, we'll get into that when we talk about John and uh, Terry. Wow. I literally could not think. I was like, Toad? Yeah. That's not his name, though. That's his nickname. Yeah, and I've, could I've be. tried to respect him and call him Terry instead. <laughs> nah. So, so Chris that I call Chris or yes. Cal. I remember at one point, I was like, I'm going to call you Cal. That's cool. And it like never happened <laughs> hey, naturally. Never get the nicknames, though. Never Sorry. happened. All right. So, Chris, uh, when did you first see American Graffiti? I'm trying to think now. It's been... The very first time, it's been a while. I'm trying to think if I saw it in high school, maybe. I mean, we watched it a few times. We saw it you know, not mm-hmm. too long ago. And I did catch a few glimpses of the sequel movie, but that's going to be a discussion <laughs> for another day. But um, but yeah, I remember really, really struck by it, seeing and knowing that was one of his early films, uh, Lucas. And um, makes you wonder sort of what if he kind of stayed on that sort of path. If he didn't get into sci-fi at all, what his sort of career would look like. Um, Very true. But yeah, but I thought it was a yeah, solid, such a great cast. Just a, I like those movies where it's just like, I think a lot of this like um, Dazed and Confused as well. Just having mm-hmm. a big cast, just kind of 
a random night, just what goes on, and it's um, you like an ensemble, good ensemble, yeah. and a meandering plot. Yes. Having sat through many mumblecore films with you, oh yes, <laughs> you do not need a uh, strict storyline yeah. happening. You can jump around a little bit. That's okay. It's in general themes, um, oh. yeah. and I don't mean to dunk on them. Some of them oh, are yes. wonderful, oh, but yes. I yeah. Oh, yeah. In general, I am very much like, can we go watch a Jack Ryan movie oh, yeah. now? <laughs> Sometimes it's like, okay, just what's the point of this? But I would like something times... to explode, please. Yes, no. <laughs> well, you guys just missed an explosion. Today we're talking about segment 50, which is when only you by the platters plays, but it doesn't start right away. The section starts in silence. It starts with Milner handing a hat to Harrison Ford, a.k.a. Dun, dun, dun. Bob Felfa. <laughs> the man with the hat, <laughs> as Indiana Felfa. Jones would go on to be known. You may notice Harrison Ford's hair is longer than everyone else's. I feel like we've been talking about that all summer. He refused <laughs> to cut his hair for the film, so George Lucas made him wear a hat. So hey. this is the only time you see it's not the worst thing. Yeah. in his 72, I guess, is when they were filming this, yeah. Hair Glory. Mm-hmm. Which, honestly, I don't think is that... Longer crazy. I mean, I've seen pictures of Paul Lamott before he no. got his haircut for this film, and it's very different. <laughs> it's like, so, yeah, I don't know. I-, I have a question, even though I'm the one who hosts the podcast on the movie. Who the hell are these guys standing next to the car? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, where did they come from? They're just like hanging out, yeah. watching the race, and I'm just like, excuse me. Yeah. Who, who are you <laughs> people? <laughs> Why are you who up at this you? hour? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I guess, like, Everyone in town was talking about how Milner and Falfa were going to do this. Like, we see when yeah. Steve is driving around. But, like, that man with the mustache looks like my... Fa- well, he doesn't look like my father. He looks like my uncle's in 72. <laughs> <laughs> he is someone's dad. Like, that is a dad jacket right there. <laughs> kind of wanders in. Yeah. Yeah. That raises further questions, too. It's like, if a bunch of teens show up to see the race, that's great. But some, like old uncle it's like that's weird he's like trying to be the cool uncle it's like yeah i still watch races please hello fellow teens it's like exactly (laughs) i am probably not with the guests who appreciate the fact that harrison ford's shirt is open so let's move on to the actual meat of this segment or i should say there are two parts to this segment and the first part is Mm -hmm. It sounds so boring if I tell you what happens in this is that John and Terry walk over to a car and Kurt gets a phone call. But it is very exciting. Hey, big things happen. So (laughs) John and Terry, Milner and Toad walk over to Milner's car and they get into a little bit of an argument. And I think it's funny because when I was a teenager, for some reason, I therapists can analyze this if they want. I could not accept that John was right. I was like, no, 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 no. Of course he was going to win the race. That's how movies work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I really like that John is like, no, he was beating me till he was stupid. And fl- like, he would have won, but he he messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I remember that yeah, the race scene, too. I just remember the first time seeing that. It just it is so jarring. So you're like, oh, my God, did they just die? It's like, what is this movie? But it's um, it's interesting. Reflecting on it, he kind of has some self-reflection on, you know, it's not lucky. Yeah, I'll never forget when I saw that, you know, like you said, Chris, it's just so jarring. And yeah. so, like, I'm, I'm watching this with my fiance, Nikki, and she, so she's like, you know, she's like, oh, nobody dies in this, right? I'm like, no, no, nobody dies. <laughs> and then I'm like, I see that. I'm like, oh, shit. wait a minute. <laughs> I, hope he, I hope he didn't die. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's Harrison Ford. He doesn't die. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a definite, like, crazy, almost like whiplash into that moment. 
And then I get whiplash because we go from the most California this movie looks with like the hill in the background yeah. and straight. Mm-hmm. I expect a mash helicopter to fly over. Yeah. And then it turns <laughs> to Milner's car. And like, maybe this is my own bias. Maybe this is the fact that like, I didn't saw me as a kid uh, or as a teenager, that morning light and like seeing that the, like the windshield's dirty on his car. I mean, just mm. the way the light is, the fact that they want to go get pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> I lo- like I feel that in my like, oh yeah, if you if you stay up all night, that's what it looks like. And I also cannot get over. I love I love the we'll take them all. Like I oh, oh yeah. I love these two guys going over to the car. Yeah, and it's a good it's gonna be the shot. Now you might have discussed in another episode, um the cinematographer for this. This person worked with Lucas before, like since this movie, or do you know? Um I would have to check. Sorry, I, I was thinking light and I'm like, oh yeah, Haskell. And I'm like, wait, no, that's not cinematography. That is something else. Uh, so the directors of photography were Jean Delclen. I don't know, something French. He took French. I didn't. Okay, and Ron. Use your Canadian powers. Jean Delquin. Delquin. <laughs> Ron. Oh, yeah, you have hockey name powers. So between the two of you, I see the floor. <laughs> Yeah, actually, it doesn't look like one I of them. I don't think so. I don't recognize yeah, them. Yeah, Ron only did this and then something called It Ain't Easy. And then, huh, let's go back. And then yeah. Jan, Jean. I know Haskell Wexler was the lighting guy. And so he had a big thing. But that wouldn't be that wouldn't be part of this. Yeah, but although it looks like cinematography God, also. God did this lighting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> the two of them, yeah, just did American Graffiti and It Ain't Easy as cinematography. But then also... Looks like uh, John Dalquin was the camera and electrical or camera operator second union unit for the movie Leonard Part Six, starring Bill Cosby. Oh God! And that's their entire oh, credit history. So. That's a that hasn't aged well. Yeah. <laughs> oh. we'll, we'll put it at that. <laughs> Most of his movies did not age well anyway, but then yeah. now it's like Ooh, Very that's true. just an extra yeah. level of oh, not aging. No. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys both thought that this one aged well. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I think so, definitely. It's a great shot there. Yeah, they should have done... I just absolutely love, like... And Milner is such an old man, even though he's supposed to be, like, 22, 23. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not that it hasn't aged well. I, I actually, I, should, I shouldn't lead... I shouldn't lead the guests. What do you guys think of the fact that Steve and Laurie get back together? That Steve and Laurie find each other again and... They they literally are well. They're walking off away from the sunrise, so it's the opposite of walking off into the sunset. Yeah, Yeah. the vibe is there. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Oh yeah, I just think it is needed. I think they needed that night to kind of because they've been together for a good Mm -hmm. amount of time now. I think they just needed that night to really obviously very extreme things happened that night to both of them, and I think they just needed some that sort of reflection. Say, you know what? Let's let's see where we are before we make any other big changes. And uh, go from there. Yeah, I the one thing about that scene that I thought was just so not not odd, but it's like like you said, you know, Chris, the, their relationship throughout the series, like throughout the events of the movie, just changed so much. And like basically, it just seems like Steve was like just progressively becoming more and more terrible. Yes, <laughs> and then it was just so weird how like all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's amazing what you know a, a, a life threatening situation does to somebody. It's like all of a sudden they're like, um. Never mind. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Let's let's take a step back. Yeah. It's like you you it's one of those like 
you know, I know the very, very end, they have like that quick little like, oh, where are they now kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. what happened with those two? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, did that change or did it just like two weeks later, they're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> no, so Steve and Lori do get married. Uh, in the sequel, they are married with twin toddlers. Oh, <laughs> oh boy! Super fun, yeah. Those those poor parents. <laughs> but it was before Paw Patrol existed, so at least oh, Lori no. didn't have to have that song stuck in her head. <laughs> there we go. So they they walk off, and only you by the Platters is playing, and it's it's quite a moment. It's a striking um, song, yeah. I I guess we can talk about the song real quick. Only you was released in 1955. It's Okay, so it was composed by Buck Ram. He's come up on this podcast before, but he's also playing the piano. And they were like, this is the only song where the songwriter is playing. I don't know. Ah. The break in the only was a mistake. Oh, wow. But there are various stories as to what happened. <laughs> Someone said like the singer's voice cracked while singing. Some One of the people in the band always told the story that they were riding in a car and like went over a bump while singing. And that's when he did it. And everyone was like, that sounds amazing. Do that in the song. And, but regardless, all the stories do agree that like that was not like a plan that someone came up with. That was a a beautiful fluke. Hey. <laughs> The only other piece of trivia I thought it was funny is uh, Ringo Starr covered it in 1974. And this is not the only song off the soundtrack that Ringo Starr then went on to cover in his solo career. Hmm. So I wonder if... uh, Saw this movie and was like, you know uh, what? Yeah. Was was Ringo Starr super into this music or this movie or (laughs) did... Or did someone on the business side be like, this would be a good song for you to cover? And he's like, yes, please. I like I like getting money. Which, yes. you know, hey, who doesn't? Put together your all-star band. <laughs> um, hey, now, he's an all-star. Um, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you guys That's are going to kick me off my <laughs> podcast. So, before we talk about Kurt and the Wolfman... Would you guys like to comment any more on on Steve and Lori and Milner and Terry? Was were there any of them that you were like, "Oh man, this is my guy"? Or like <laughs> when when Terry pulls up to the like order machine, he just goes, "Help!" After he's been yeah. in a fight. But Terry definitely yeah. is one that we like really feel for. I'd say, yeah. We've all had Terry moments in our lives. Where yes, like, yeah. I'm done. No. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm maybe out of my else. league. Yes. <laughs> This is not working. <laughs> There's that definite moment in the movie where he realizes he's like, oh, I'm just, this is over my head. This is over my pig, 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 pig. I just want the cherry Cokes now. That's it. <laughs> just, we're done here. Just the ice. <laughs> now, see, I saw this when I was a teenager myself. And so I just crushed so hard on the Carol and John storyline. Cause mm. it's like, man, if I just get into the right car and, and anytime I go, like back to a summer camp reunion or something where I'm like going to hang out with the old, the people who were the older cool kids when I was a little kid trying to be cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know definitely every time I've gone to a summer camp reunion, I've put up the picture of Carol getting into the car as like <laughs> on my social media, like, oh, I'm off. <laughs> so. Think of that. I used to make, I used to make to college too, where again, Gore knows that we just, we had a lot of friends who were the year ahead of us. And I remember in times like hanging out, usually we were some of the only people, like either only freshmen and grown up with sophomores and mm-hmm. stuff. And that feeling of just sort of being in that slightly older crowd <laughs> and feeling a little bit like, hey, I made it in. 
Yeah, we made it. <laughs> they made it. Hey, they haven't thrown us out yet. And then, like after that, it's like we started to get to know people that were younger. Yes, like yeah, I think, I think, sure. off, I think off the year, top of yeah. my head, I think I know like four people from our graduating class here. <laughs> yes, it's weird for both of us. Yeah, we kind of did lots of you there, a little bit older than mm. us, a little bit younger than us. Yeah. Well, that's like I screwed up. I did a two-year master's program, but I started in January, oh, yeah. and so yeah. I I spread across three classes. So it felt like I and I and I worked in the campus bookstore. So it felt like I was there forever. <laughs> oh man. I was like the old hand and I'd been living there for 18 months, you know, like it was nothing, but it was weird yeah, doing like going to grad school, especially you had either people who are like right out of college, a little bit yeah. out of college, or a long time out of college. This was a whole or range. Alex who was coming yeah. back on her second career. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah we had a friend who Ugh. had been a waitress for years and years into the decade and she was great to go out with a group because we'd go out to uh, to dinner and there'd be like 17 of us and we would get the bill and just be like alex do your magic (laughs) tell us what we owe and she would it'd be perfect (laughs) so anyway well speaking of magic we get a overhead i do believe these are our last moments with the citroen Ah. Uh, Kurt's car, the only <laughs> so. like European car in the whole oh, thing. That's a good point. Yeah. Now, <laughs> neither of you guys are particularly car guys. Yeah, that would be correct. Too much. I, you yeah, love your no. hybrid. I do. We have a hybrid, and then um, yeah, growing up, we had uh, remember we got into the Volvo station wagon. It's a big fan. Oh of. yeah. He, yep. our, our kid has started asking me why he can't sit in the trunk and are there seatbelts in the trunk? And I Uh-oh. keep being like, not this trunk. Yeah. But <laughs> then I remember that, like, I grew up in a station wagon that oh, yeah. absolutely did have seatbelts in the way, way back. Yep. Facing out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The most was, unsafe yeah. travel. It are illegal now. Yeah. It's like, wait. Just... <laughs> but just so you, just, just so you're aware, oh, if that yeah. comes up, that ha- he has started to ask. Ooh. And I keep being like, no, no, you cannot do that. And I'm like, but <laughs> I do, do but you cannot. <laughs> yeah. So so you guys would have been the Kurt in the situation. Like, look, yes. I'm just going to have a car. It yeah. gets me around. Works, yeah. <laughs> that I can sleep down. in if needed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I relate to Kurt almost sleeping through the most important phone call of his life thus far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I felt that. And yeah, those seats do not look comfortable. This oh, is the yeah. best like shot we get of them. And it looks like like a lawn chair almost, but but yeah. the car. <laughs> it's better view, yeah. The steering wheel and yeah, it's this very, very basic car there. Yeah. Yep. That's a car that was definitely built in some country that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> That's definitely now, like a Yugoslavian car. <laughs> <laughs> now now, it's French. Oh boy. They exist. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're they're probably they're not the same government as they were when that car was produced. Which Republic Fair. Was at this point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I I don't even know. I just made that. I just hey, probably good point. Might have been. <laughs> I mean, you have to understand. We grew up in the eighties, where when my mom or aunts went to France, it was like, ah, oh, there will be a there will be a strike. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's just a given. <laughs> so Kurt does wake up in time. He answers the phone, and thus begins. Like, my favorite moments, the the Richard Dreyfus master acting class that is happening <laughs> in this phone booth is so, I, I am so biased. I love it so much. When he, when she says, oh, it, it's me or whatever it is, he goes, woo! Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so good. And he's like doing his rocking back on his feet thing. And he's so nervous, but he's so happy. Gripping his stomach. Yeah. Yes! That's like, 
Lucas is like, all right, go as high as you can. <laughs> Turn it all the way up. Let's do this. I also love that this is Richard Dreyfus all the way up. Yes. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah. I, I also did a podcast on Close Encounters, so I got to know Bob Balaban a lot. And uh, <laughs> and we watched um, S- not Staten Island. Um, it's a Star Wars guy. Mayor. Yonkers. Oh, um, show me a hero. <laughs> show me a hero. Oh, yes. oh, Where's that going? Yes. You <laughs> um, lost me. Bob Balvin is in Show Me oh, yes. a Hero, and the amount of acting he manages to do while like moving no part of his body, it's so very chill, is amazing. And Richard <laughs> Dreyfus is not someone I think of as like super emotive. But yes, <laughs> but yes, in this scene, it is. It is it is fantastic. Also, apparently, Lucas liked to have Richard Dreyfus go out and stand on the camera, and uh, he called this his test pattern shirt that he's wearing here. Oh, that works. <laughs> oh, and I I forgot to mention that they only had a crane on this movie for three days, and so that shot overhead through the tree is one of the very few crane shots in this film. It does seem yeah, pretty different from the rest of the movie. Yeah. Like that, that makes sense, yeah. yeah. Low-budget Lucas. Hey, got it done. And he stayed low-budget the rest of his weight. Well, got, the, got a few more dollars here and there. For a while. Yeah. Not, not so much. Yeah, my... my Literally only critique here is I want to know why Kurt is wearing his class ring on his ring finger. Something that you as an engaged man will now start to notice, ah. Mr. Gore. Um, Very true. <laughs> it's just a weird choice. Yeah. It's That's just a weird thing. choice. Yeah, they don't know too many like class ring people these days. Uh, I mean, yeah. ours are yeah. in the house. Yeah, we have like, in a we, box they somewhere. Exist. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, I think you wear them like... Three times in your life, and then they just go somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I used to wear mine a lot, like, my senior year, because it was, because I thought it was pretty, because I picked it up. <laughs> and the girls' ones aren't, like, as obnoxiously huge, I know. And yeah. so, like, I had a clotter ring in my class ring that I would wear. But even then, like, you don't wear it on the ring finger of your left hand. Like, that's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, like... A capital C choice that didn't need to be made. And it makes me think of, um, I'm blanking on which episode it is, but there is an episode of The X-Files where Fox Mulder is wearing a wedding ring because David Duchovny had just gotten married in real life and was like, I'm wearing my wedding ring. And it's a flashback episode. Huh. But it is never addressed in the series. (laughs) And it's one of those things where it's like, why do we not get to hear about like the marriage that was a huge mistake that only lasted like two months or something like that? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> why do we not get to see Mulder getting married in Vegas? Come on. <laughs> he loves Elvis. <laughs> he would have enjoyed that. It would have been worth it. Or it's like the guy in the old Batman show played the Joker who just like, he didn't want to get rid of his mustache. Oh, yeah. Just like painted yeah. the makeup over <laughs> it. It's like, no deal. That was great. Yeah. That's such a power move. It's like, you yes. want me? Hey. <laughs> Who is it? Caesar, Caesar Romero. Romero, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, he's like, all right, here's the deal. <laughs> yeah. I'm the Joker with a painted on mustache. <laughs> I just can't see Richard Dreyfus doing that in 72. Like, that's just weird. <laughs> that just feels like they did that on purpose. I don't know. But I love everything else. And I really love that he has this conversation with the blonde and the T-bird. Yep. The wolfman comes through and <laughs> she calls. And when he hangs up the phone... He's so sad, but then he smiles and his dimples come. It's the perfect, perfect moment. And so I just was wondering what you guys thought of this conversation. Because I 
It's a movie thing. I know why he does it. It's like a whole story, metaphor, dream thing. But why the hell doesn't she tell him her name? That's just weird. Like, no one in real life would would have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed like it was just one of those sort of, you know, it's, it's this magical realism. I don't know. It just sort of like it's a moment that sort of, you know, he's about to, it's the last night at home. It's going to, but his whole life yeah. is going to change from here on out. It's sort of a last interesting I don't know, it's a moment of just sort of And this is the moment when she says, I'll see you tonight. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And he doesn't even say because I'm leaving, but you can see it's because he's leaving. Like, that's, Mm. it's so funny going back and listening to old episodes because so many times Rachel Doris and I have said, oh, this is the moment where Kurt decides. And it's all (laughs) completely all over the map. Maybe she's like oh, almost oh, like yeah. personification of California saying, oh, stay. But yeah. she's like, no. He has to reflect and say, hey, this was a good experience, but. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to stay. Yeah. I'm glad I got to talk to you. This is amazing. No. But I'm not going to stay. And so, yeah, he's so decided. Oh, um, that was one thing I really liked about using only you here. I mean, it's mm. it's one of the iconic songs of the era. So of course, only you was going to be in the movie. But I was like, oh, why is it here? And I really love it has the line, only you can make this change in me. Mm. And so I feel like that, I feel like this song is for Kurt. Like, I know it starts in the other scene, but I feel like that is why it's here. Kurt needs the blonde to call to be sure. It's some sort of poor closure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because mm-hmm. he kept going back and forth throughout the night. Yeah. And, you know, he's made up his mind to stay or to go so many times. And I feel like this is this is what he needed to be sure. Like, no, I'm going to go home and slap some water on my face and grab my <laughs> suitcase. Yeah. I, I think kind of what you were saying, Tierney, what's, what's so great about the scene is that like, yeah, there's, like, a lot of crazy, like, almost overacting with with the responses <laughs> on the phone with Kurt. But, like, at the same time, it's just, like, it's so great because there's, there's so little else. It's, like, it's just him in full. Like, there's not a lot going on. So, it's, like, there's just so much attention paid. So, it's, like, almost, like, his reaction to dialogue just takes such a center stage to it. And, and again, with that, like, the way it kind of pans down to them, to him, is just such a mm-hmm. great shot. Because, yeah. like, it's, like, now it's, it's almost, like... And this is kind of like now that I think about it when I was, you know, watching it and then hearing you guys talk about it. It's almost like you had like your big crowd scene with, you know, John and Terry and the random people that showed up. And then it like kind of cuts away from them and pulls down to just like, all right, here's here's one person now. You just got to focus on this. Yeah. That was a huge thing because you see all of them at the beginning of the evening at the diner. Yeah. And then everyone scatters for the night. And then most of them come back together at the race, yeah. but not Kurt. He's the only yeah. one who isn't there. He's doing his own thing. Yeah. And then Lucas talks about how there are bookends. You see everyone at the diner, and then you see everyone in the, the next scene, which I'm assuming we all know what it is, but you know, this case here, hey. keeping it as a surprise. <laughs> but the fact that Kurt is the only one not at the race Kurt doesn't even know there was a race. Yeah. Kurt is completely unaware that any of this happened with Steve and Lori or. (laughs) His own weird journey. And yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm trying to think of the last time he intersected with anyone from that group. Probably a good chart out there somewhere where he can kind of map, or someone should put that chart together, map all the. Has he not seen them since the dance? Huh. Because he went in Wendy's car, uh, Wendy's friend's car. 
And then they kicked yeah. him out, and then he went with the pharaohs. And then he, he talked to the teacher at the dance, and then he yeah. left. Yeah. Yeah. He got picked yeah. up. I it's literally anyway. think Stephen Laurie dropped him off at the high school, and no one has seen him <laughs> since. Oh, you know what, though? Um, Terry did see him go by when he did the cop car. Okay. So yeah. Terry, oh, right. like, at least knows he's alive. <laughs> Is probably very confused on what, how this all came to be, but... And was not in a position to really be paying attention <laughs> anyway. Poor Terry. Yeah. So this is this is a great ending. And then the Wolfman wraps up his shift. Good night, hey, Wolfman. Wolfman. Hey. Yeah. We got to have there. And we're about to wrap up our movie. Obviously, it's a one crazy night movie. And it's very definitely <laughs> no longer nighttime. And True. yeah. Thank you guys so much for being on because you are the only people I've ever stumbled out of a radio station with at sunrise. That's right. <laughs> That's true. We've done that. That was fun. <laughs> 18 hours at various levels. I know various people were in and out a bit and it yep. was uh I was not there for all 18 hours. Yes. But I was I was there for the end. <laughs> yes. And then I was like, that, all right. I remember doing the whole show. Then we went yeah. back to Chris's place. I took a shower. Got on a train. My brother picked me up in like Stanford. Then I went to like a Yankee game. (laughs) I think I finally went to sleep like 48 hours later. (laughs) uh It was a mess. I don't even know what was going on at any point in time. (laughs) I have a recording of part of that 18 hours. I think there's just lots of confusion. It was towards the end of it. So I was like, oh boy. I think played... He just played like we played like full television episodes of things by the end, or just like oh yeah, uh, Sylvia and Ollie will someday yeah. see you guys into the ground. <laughs> yeah, we got to points where we were just like, all right, Chris, let's put some twenty minute Genesis song on now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, let's just do yeah. this. <laughs> Pop have, on Genesis. They have nine options. Go with one of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, pick one of them. Now, were either of you guys into Rush? Because I feel like that could have helped you as well. How is this? Trail? Oh yes. I remember playing some Dream Theater because they're absurdly long too. They have like a yeah. forty minute. They have like a forty minute long song that I f- didn't play. I should have. I played a couple of their things though. But yeah, Rush would have been great. Twenty one twelve would have been perfect. That's twenty. <laughs> so- that's twenty something. There you go. It works. Look, sometimes you need to eat a meal during the radio <laughs> show. Like, yeah. That's exactly what happened. We had like somebody brought food up, and we were like, "All right, let's play something. Let's play this twenty minute song. Let's let's eat." Yeah. Yeah. It works. And people being in, like, shifts under the table. Yeah, passed out. It's like, yes. <laughs> so, which brings me to my question. What did you guys think of the Wolfman? I appreciated his popsicle conservation efforts. He's yeah, very nonchalant. That was from being wasted. <laughs> it just shows that literally everybody involving the music industry at all is weird in some way or another. Yeah. His his was just, he talked to himself and ate popsicles all the time. <laughs> which I think I mystery. Yeah. No. Yeah, because you guys never got into, like, the shtick of taking calls. Well, you did take calls, but... We got into some elements. We got... Yeah, I remember if you did many on-air stuff. I remember we got lots of, um... We got, we got weird requests from time to time. Yeah. Um, I think, like, Mike's brother would request, like... Oh, yeah. TV show theme songs. <laughs> and we're like, mm. fine, we'll do it. But, but it, yeah, it's hard when, you know, your, your listening radius is probably yes. about 50 feet outside of the station. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of figure out some different ways to get it. For a while, we only had like one microphone worked and various things went on. But uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was tricky. It was going to a school that did not have an engineering program on site. So Mm. getting things fixed took some time. It it showed. (laughs) Yes. What did you think of the Wolfman setup? It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Extra popsicles. Yeah, we didn't have popsicles. That was a good deal. (laughs) 
No, we just had like a bin of CDs they wanted us to play. They're like, play these. <laughs> like, All right. And they're like, Maybe the us. <laughs> I don't think they even let us eat there. I never saw that original one. By the time I went to PC, oh, yeah. they had redone it. And I just remember you like pressed against the glass being like, it's so nice yeah. in there. <laughs> oh, it was. Back in mind. It was a hole in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. There was barely enough room for the two of us. So those were the notes I wanted to make sure that we gave. Even though Notes from the Underground is currently no more, there's nothing that say it won't rise again. It's on an extended hiatus. It's been on hiatuses before, so we'll see. (laughs) This one we can get it back up and running. This is is like approaching Guns N' Roses level, so hiatus (laughs) though. Like, hey, what's what's that line from the Eagles? Hell froze over. Oh yeah. Technically, we didn't break yep. up. Yeah. So hey, <laughs> anything could happen. So. <laughs> we could start our own podcast. Oh, there you go. Such thing. You could. I've corrupted you guys uh, now. Yeah. Hey. I'm just waiting That's for the true. day Patrick takes over the notes from the underground <laughs> property. This is your birthright. Oh yeah. He'll have his own like elementary school radio station. That could work. It's going to happen. We will see that it happens. <gasps> yes. Preschool radio. <laughs> yes, start even earlier. It's all bluey music all the time. <laughs> I was going to say, I worked at a preschool for two years and it was just Baby Shark. That was when Baby Shark was a thing. Baby Shark was the only song I heard. Uh-oh. The Baby Shark remix from Coachella made my life. <laughs> oh, boy. I think it was Coachella. It was one of those. That, that sounds right, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. That sounds like a Coachella thing to do. It Influencers in ripped denim shorts were in a desert dancing. Yeah. <laughs> I assume it was Coachella. It has to be Coachella. Thank you guys for watching the movie oh, yeah. for this podcast. Yeah, I'm glad you both enjoyed it. Yes, it's a good one. Yeah. But it sucked if yeah. you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if I've decided to keep in the part where I talked about writing a book, I wrote a book. Yes. It's, it's <laughs> Not available. The idea that it would be available by the time this episode comes out is wildly unrealistic, but it will be available someday. Now, when it's out, would it be on your website some details? It, hey. Oh, it's like you know me. Hey. Look at that beautiful plug. <laughs> uh, yes, there will be a lot of information about it, I'm assuming, on onesteelsister.com, which is my website, it has links to. My previous podcasts, including the ones I've mentioned today about Close Encounters, if you're super into listening to me talk about Richard Dreyfus, and there is also a writing section, a books and blog section, and my book, The Post Road, will be there someday, Hmm. (laughs) relatively soon. (laughs) And it's One Steel Sister, all spelled out. Yes. O-N-E-S-T-E-E-L-E-S-A-S-T-E-R. Yes. Fuck. So, uh, and usually I give people an opportunity to plug their shows, but since yours is on extended hiatus, is there anything you guys would like to promote in the meantime? You know what I'll promote, just thinking about Wolfman Jack. You should go online and look up the show, The Fawns and the Happy Days Gang. Now, this is an oh, animated what? series, spinoff of Happy Days. So just let you know, series some of the details. From Wikipedia, the series focuses on Fonzie, joined by an anthropomorphic dog named Mr. Cool. I'm in. And his friends as they are visited by Cupcake, a girl from the future who pilots a malfunctioning time machine. So lots of things happen, but the key is the whole intro is from Wolfman Jack, describing what's going on here. So 
That'll pull you in. So look that up. That just like sounds like a Rick and Morty episode. <laughs> like, I'll give them more ideas, but yes. With, so. with the fonts showing up. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that is out there. How about you, Gore? I don't know. I don't have much to plug. Okay. <laughs> I don't do much of that podcasting thing. Uh, yeah, well, so, well so if you're in Massachusetts, south of Boston, stop by the Milton Public Library. There we go. I was going to say, I've fun. had multiple guests just because of who I am and who I'm friends with be like, I would like to plug libraries or like Sarah Kugel. Oh, on, there you um, go. Oh, yeah. On the uh, thing, she's like, I would like to plug going to museums once you can yes. again. Like, support your local institutions yeah. now. So. <laughs> support the local libraries. I think yes. you actually have the American Graffiti soundtrack. You can borrow from the library, so. Whoa, whoa. You can also borrow the movie More American Graffiti, which I had to do because they took it off HBO. And <laughs> I somehow <laughs> missed that, like, window. By the time you're listening to this, you'll be able to watch Paw Patrol the movie, which I'm sure is what Patrick would like to Because <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'll they really there. need it. Uh, don't forget ACAB, even if they're dogs. Um, <laughs> Where do they get their funding, this Paw Patrol? That's a whole other question. Sometimes, sometimes I do, out of guilt, donate to the ACLU, like, as I buy him yet another <laughs> Paw Patrol toy. <laughs> Only fair. <laughs> like, literally, the ACLU recently did a, you could sign up, it was free, you would get four emails, one a week, and it was all about how to do, like, divestment in the police, like, what what that means, like, defining all the terms, <clears throat> all these different resources, it was really great, it was so wonderful, and, like, literally, I'm reading that, we're, we're watching Chase Beyond the Case, so... <laughs> Chase is on the case. He always is. Uh, All right. Well, I did not see that being how I wrapped up this episode, but I guess it will be because we are at the end. Kurt is smiling. All is right with the world. And uh, yeah, we just just have to wrap up the movie. So listeners tune in next week. Uh, We'll be back with 